0: but I just wanted to encourage you because there are incredible things happening in this nation and uh, I was down there I met with village heads and uh, with the political leaders that were there uh, the church leaders that were there and we're going to be going there as soon as the election period is over and we're going to be preaching the gospel in villages throughout that region we're going to be just camping out there and preaching to people. And the village heads have just opened their villages to us. They've said, come and bring the gospel. We want the gospel. This is an area where the light is very, very dim. And so we're just so excited. God is doing incredible things in this nation. Uh, even for me, as a white person, to be able to go to a place like Cherea two weeks before an election and meet with village heads is unheard of. And so, there is incredible things happening, and I just wanted to encourage you with that, because the Lord is at work. We are seeing people turning to Him. We are seeing churches being established in places where there are no churches. God is faithful. And the prayers that we've prayed over the years, God has heard them. He is answering them. He is working out His plan for His people in this nation. And so, I thought I would just encourage you with that before I I start to bring the Word of God to you today. Let's just pray before I start. Father, thank You for the truth. Thank You for Your Word. Thank You for the plan that You have that was birthed before before this world began, in eternity. Father, thank You that You have seen it fit to make us part of that plan, to include us in it. We thank You for this amazing grace, that you have shown towards us. And I pray today that as I share the word, Father, you would release your vision into our hearts, that you would open the eyes of our hearts, that we might see what you see, so that we might enter into your purpose for us. So, Lord, we thank you that you hear us and you answer us. In Jesus' name, amen. I was wanting to share originally and talk to you just about the wonder of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm someone, I'm not ashamed to say it, I'm in love with Jesus Christ. And uh, I know that you've been having a series, The Bride of Christ, here, which Ian and Craig have been leading you in. And I wanted to share on the Lord Jesus, because as the Bride of Christ, He is our focus. as I was preparing this week and I went away and just spent time in prayer with the Lord just seeking His face and saying, Lord, what do you want to say to the church? I felt Him shift me a little bit. And uh, what I believe He's given me to share with you today is the church, God's reason for redemption. Do you know that the church is God's reason for redemption? And I'm going to explain what that means today. We're going to, Start off just by reading 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to read some verses. Verses 4 to 10. It's going to go, I think it's on the overhead. And uh, my prayer as I prayed is that God would give you a vision today. That you would catch a vision today. That there would be a revelation that takes place in our hearts as to why we meet here. As to why there is something called The church. So let's read these words and we'll unfold it. And I believe the Lord is going to do this for us today. Peter writes and he says, as you come to him, that's Jesus of Nazareth, the Lord. And notice the words, as you come to him, as you come to him. In other words, as he's our focus, our pursuit, our desire, our hope, as we come to him, the living stone. Rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to Him. You also, like living stones, are being built. Now notice that. Are being built. This speaks of an ongoing process. Into a spiritual house. Or we could say a temple, a family. To be a holy priesthood. Something that is set apart and devoted for the service of God offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, "See, I lay in a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame." Now to you who believe, the stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. I want to start by just asking the question, why did Peter pen these words? Why did he write these? I believe he wrote this so that we could see That there is more to our salvation than just our own salvation. Romans 8 verse 28 says that we are called according to God's purpose. The redemption that we enjoy, the redemption that has been brought to us through the Lord Jesus, through His death on the cross, has a purpose. It is to fulfill God's purpose. That's the reason for redemption. Do you know that the Lord Jesus died so that God could have a church? We've often heard it, and I've preached it myself, and it is true to say that even if there was only one person alive on this earth, the Lord Jesus would have still come. God would have still sent His Son to die for that person. God is concerned for us individually, and He does save us individually. But the reality is this, that there was not just one person that was on the earth. There were multitudes. And so when Jesus came, as God sent His Son, as He hung on that cross, God was not just seeing you, He was not just seeing me, He was seeing a multitude of people that He was calling to Himself, a multitude of people that He was paying the price of redemption for. And... That was the vision he saw as Jesus, his son, hung on that cross. What was he seeing? He was seeing the church, what we refer to as the church. And I'm not just talking when I say the church of us that are seated in here today. I'm talking about something that spans the generations. In fact, it spans the history of mankind and is in every nation, every place. The church is in heaven today. And the church is here on the earth. And as Jesus hung on that cross, that's what he was seeing. He was seeing every single person that would, be, would come to him and that would be called his own. He had a vision in his heart. God had a vision when he sent Jesus to die for our sinners. And that vision is a corporate vision. It's what Peter is talking about here. He was seeing a church... A body of people that would become the complete expression of who He is. Isn't that an amazing thought? That as Jesus died, that's what He was seeing. A body of people that would come together to be a complete expression of everything He is. This is God's purpose for the church. Isn't that a wonderful thing? You know, when God called us, He didn't just call us so we could enjoy heaven for eternity. He called us to fulfill and be a part of the fulfillment of His eternal purpose for all creation. My, this is something bigger than just ourselves. Let's just just look at John 17 verse 20 to 23. We see here the Lord Jesus praying a high priestly prayer, a prayer for people just before His Uh, his betrayal and on the eve of his crucifixion. And this is what he says. He's praying for us. He says, My prayer is not for them alone. That's the apostles. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's you and me. That's the church. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought into complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Isn't it amazing to see what the Lord is praying there? What is he praying for? What was he seeing as he prayed that prayer? He was seeing a multitude of people in every generation that would believe in the message that was going to be preached from the apostles' lips. The message they would pen, which we know is the New Testament today. He was seeing us seated in this room today. And he was praying for us. And look at what he was praying. He was praying that we would be brought into complete unity. And he was praying this because... He wanted something to happen. And he says at the end that the world would know that God had sent him. And that God had loved us even as he had loved Jesus. Do you know that the world will not see God unless they see him through us? Unless they see him through the church.
1: God's vision,
0: our Lord Jesus' vision is the church that's what he sees he sees the church and the bible talks about the church being a glorious church that's god's plan for the church that it would be glorious we're going to talk a bit more about that later on no one individual does not constitute the church i was talking to somebody some time ago and he was a, a man who was struggling To understand the need to be involved in church. And he said to me, But I am the church. And I had to say to him, You know, that's wrong. You are not the church. You are a saint, you are a part of the church. But the church is more than just an individual, the church is a building, it is something that God is building. And God has saved us as individuals so that he can build something that is far greater than we are ourselves. If you think about this, a man wants to start up a great business. He has a vision for a great business. What does he do? He begins to call people, individuals. He hires people. He places them in positions within the organization according to their skills. Why does he do that? He does it because he's seeing a vision that is going to take many talents, many skills, many different people coming together with one mind, with one purpose, with one aim, and through bringing them together like that, he's able to accomplish the vision that he has. Do you know that that is exactly what the church is? God calls us individually. He relates to us individually. He saves us individually. But that's not where it ends. There is a purpose for what He does. The purpose, the reason He called you was so that you could be a part of this church, this bride, this building that He is creating that is going to be the most amazing thing history has ever seen. That's the church of Jesus Christ. So... The Lord Jesus said this. When he was still here, he was still ministering. He turned to his disciples and he said, Upon this rock, I will build my church. I said it earlier, the church is a building. So as Peter writes here, he says, We are living stones. And as we come to Jesus, What is he doing with our lives? He is taking us. And he is building us, placing us into this building that he has in mind. Do you know that we're a part of a building? We're a part of a construction project that God is doing. And if we can catch a vision of this, if we can see it in our hearts, if we can see what God is seeing, it will change our lives forever. We will begin to see why we are here. We will begin to see, why do we sit in this church? Why do we come to this church? What is this fellowship all about? Paul wrote to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 3.9. Sorry, it's not up there. We'll come to that one. And he said, you are God's building. You are God's building. That's what the church is. He wrote to the church in Ephesus, which is, uh, we can put it up there now. Thank you again. And he said this consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, members of his household, built, notice that word, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building, notice he's referring to the church as this building, is joined together. You can't have a building when loose stones are just everywhere. There has to be a joining together, a coming together. And it rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in Him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. Do you see the vision that God has? Do you see what He's doing in the earth today? He's building a building. He is assembling a people. He is bringing together multitudes and His design is to fill that building with His presence, with His glory and to show the world once and for all He is God. He has an eternal purpose for the church. We need to realize that if this is so then our purpose in God can never be experienced or found outside the context of this building. If I have a a stone, if I had a brick here today and I showed you that brick and I asked you what can we do with this brick? You might come up with a few things that we can do. You know, we might be able to use it as a doorstop. We might be able to use it to throw it at somebody (laughs) hold something down. But that would be really the end of it. But if you take that brick and you take this brick and you take this brick and you bring it all together and you join it together, you can build something that people drive past and say, My. And that's what God is doing with His church. That's what He's doing with each and every one of our lives. It's only as we come together that the purpose that God has for our lives is really going to be found. And you know, as I travel around and I preach and I speak to believers, I see so many believers that are coming to church Sunday after Sunday, sitting in a pew, singing a few songs, listening to a message, and going home again, and they are bored. They are dissatisfied. They say, what is the reason for this? And many of them have even stopped coming to church. They would rather stay at home and watch something on YouTube. Because they haven't seen the vision that God has what His plan is, how He is wanting to build something through which He can show the fullness of His glory. We have to come together if we're going to know and find God's purpose for our lives. The church is called a body. If I was to cut this hand off, it might be a very complete and whole hand, but without it being attached to the body, It's really worthless, it's purposeless. But the moment it is attached to the body and becomes a part of what every God is doing with everyone else, it suddenly finds its meaning. And I believe that God wants to encourage you today, every one of you. God has a purpose for your life. And that purpose is not just to come to church and sit in a pew and hear me preach or Ian preach or (laughs) Craig preach or anybody else. It's not just to come here and sing a few songs. God has a purpose for your life which is going to account for your, every breath you take. It's a 24-7 purpose. But you're only going to find it. You're only going to realize it. You're only going to find the satisfaction of knowing that purpose as we come together, as we link hands, as we see the vision that God has for us. I want to just quickly look more closely at how the Apostle Peter describes the church here. So if we could just go to the next slide. The first thing that we see in this passage is he calls the church a spiritual house. A spiritual house. Now that word house doesn't just necessarily refer to a building as we would see here today. It refers to people. It refers to a family In the scriptures, we hear about the house of David. How many of you have heard about that? The house of David, the house of Israel. So it refers to a group of people that descend from somebody. Do you know that we are the house of God? We are the house of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not his physical descendants. That's why it says it's a spiritual house. We are his spiritual descendants. If you can imagine, David, the king, he had children and he had a house. Do you know that God has made us his house? So that's the first thing he says there. It's a spiritually discerned entity. That's what the church is. If we're going to understand the church, we've got to realize it's not not determined physically. It's determined spiritually. Let's look at the next thing, a chosen generation. We are a chosen generation, he says. When we think so often of generation, we think of a chronological time period. People that live at the same time. But do you know that the generation, this word generation, also refers to people that have the same characteristics. Today there's a lot of talk about the baby boomers and the X generation and the Y generation and the Z generation. And people have sort of put approximate dates. What, how are they determining those generations? Why are they making these distinctions? It's because they say these generations have different characteristics. They think differently. They see life differently. Do you know that we are a chosen generation? You know, I say to believers, and I want to say it to you today, don't identify yourself with the X generation or the Y generation or the Z generation or the baby boomers or whatever, any other generation there might be. Identify yourself with... The chosen generation. You see, God has got His own generation. And why are we called a generation? We're called a generation because we have the same characteristics. And this generation spans across every ethnic group. Wherever there are believers in Jesus Christ, whether they're in the the USA, whether they're in China, whether they're in Russia, whether they're here in Africa, you will find the same characteristics. We are the people that forgive our enemies, love our enemies, do good to those who who hate us. We pray for those who persecute us. We are peculiar. We are different. We're different to the rest of the world. And it says here, we are a chosen generation. Do you know when I was a a young person? (laughs) Wish I still was. (laughs) At school, we would have uh, sports, and uh, you know sometimes it was sort of informal things. Sometimes it might happen at camps, like the Zambesi holiday camps or the Scripture Union camps, and we were going to play sport together. And so the person who's in charge would select two people, come here, come here, and uh, they would come out, and he would say, "Right, pick your team," and everyone would be standing there saying, "Pick me, pick me," and they would say, "Trevor," and I would feel so good. And I'd walk up there. And if you were picked last, you would sort of felt a bit. But you know that that's what God has done for us. He has chosen us to be a part of this generation. This generation that is the greatest generation that will ever exist on the face of this earth. A generation that comes out of every generation. And is formed from every nation. A generation that is going to be eternal. Eternal. That's what we've been called to be a part of. So don't see yourself as a part of the X generation. See yourself as a part of the chosen generation. Let's move on. And royal priesthood is the next term that Peter uses. A royal priesthood. Do you see yourself as a royal priest? Do you see yourself as part of a royal priesthood? Do you know that that's how God sees you? If you come into Jesus Christ, if you believe in Him, That's what you are. You are a royal priest. We're royal because we come from a kingly line. How many of you would say you're born of God? Are you children of God? Who is he? He's the king of kings. There is royal blood in our veins. Because we have been born from above. We have been born of God. We have royalty in us. But what we mustn't forget is that with royalty comes authority, privilege, and responsibility. If you follow the royal family you'll find that. I think Meghan Markle has just joined the royal family and she's having to find out that with that royalty comes authority, influence, privilege, but also comes responsibility. She has to act a certain way, she has to uphold the image of the royal family. She's had to make many adjustments and many changes. And so it is with us. But we're not just royalty. We are royal priests. We are a royal priesthood. And priests are servants. So we are royal people sent to serve other people. We must never forget that. Do you see yourself as a priest? What do priests do? They represent man in matters pertaining to God... They offer sacrifices, they teach, they intercede, they represent God before man. And do you know that that is what God has called the church to do? In this nation, we are to represent God wherever we go. If we're in the marketplace, whether we're in education, whether we're in health, it doesn't matter. Even if you're in politics, you are to represent God To the world. That is what the church has been called to do. And God has got us in every different facet. And part of of society. And of, of, of of life. And he's got his people there. And every one of us is a representative. A priest of God. Wherever we go. Hallelujah. I don't know about you. But this excites me. The next one is a holy nation. The church. Is a nation. It's a nation. A nation that is holy, that has been set apart by God for His purposes. We are devoted. We have been consecrated to God. That's what holy means. We are completely His. That's what holiness is. And we are a nation that is made up of every tribe, every race, every ethnic group, every language, every tongue. So this nation supersedes every nation. Do you know that this holy nation is the greatest nation that will ever be on the face of this earth? And we've been called to be a part of this. When you see yourself, don't just see yourself as a Zimbabwean. See yourself as someone who's a part of this nation, a part of the church. When Zimbabwe is gone, This nation will still be there. You see, God's plan is to take Zimbabweans and South Africans and Americans and Europeans and Asian people from every nation and bring them together into one nation which He is king over. That's His plan. That's what the church is. We are incredibly, incredibly blessed. If we can understand that. We are incredibly blessed privilege to be a part of this, a holy nation, a cosmopolitan nation, a nation that can only be spiritually discerned. And you know what we need to be doing? We need to be building, doing everything we can to increase this nation, to raise this nation, to protect the image of this nation. To make this nation that we're a part of great. We call it the church. Every one of us should have a passion for the church. Every one of us should be desiring to see the church become everything God wants it to be. And that honestly means we as individuals have to be everything God wants us to be. But there should be a, a patriotism towards the church. It's not just something we come to and yawn and sit in. It's something that we should be passionate about. We want to see the church of God become everything God created it to be. We want to see every person that He wants to be a part of this building. Brought into this building and put into its rightful place. This is what God is doing. Hallelujah. That's why we're going to Cherea and preaching the gospel. Because God has got living stones there that He wants in this building. We're going to find them. We're going to get them. We're going to tell them this vision. So they can become a part of what God is doing in the earth. Let's look at the last one. God's own special people. We are God's people bought at a price. Do you know that His name is on you? His name is on you. He's put His name on you. You are His. You belong to Him. You're not your own. You've been bought at a price. Everything you have, everything you are, belongs to Him. We are His. He's our King. We are His people. We are here to do everything we can. Whatever He asks, whatever He wants, whatever is needed to bring glory to our King, that's what we live for. I've been told a story, and I can't remember... Might be the Street Rots, people, you might know, um, where they, the king, going back in the history of this nation, there was a time when he asked the people to build a, 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 a skyscraper, a structure that would reach the moon because he wanted something. He wanted a part of the moon. Are you familiar with the story? I don't know. I've been told it. And so, you know what happened? Because the king wanted that, the people began to build the structure. And they built it out of poles and they tied it together and they did the best they could until eventually it fell down and many, many people died. But do you see the attitude that they had towards their king? If he asked them to do something, they did it. And do you know that that's the attitude that God wants us to have towards him? He is our king. The Lord Jesus is the king. And we are his own special people. He's chosen us. To Be his people, he's chosen us, and our desire, as we will see, we come on here. Our desire is to bring glory to him. What is the purpose of the church? Peter tells us right here he says, So that we can declare the excellencies, the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Do you know that that is the purpose that God has for the church? What is God's purpose for the church? To bring Him glory. Look at, uh, at Isaiah 43. We can just put that up there. Thank you. Isaiah 43, verse 5 to 7. Look at this. He says, fear not. I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east and from the west. I will gather you. I will say to the north, give up. And to the south, do not withhold Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. This is talking about the church. Everyone whom he called, everyone whom he created for his glory. Do you know that's what we were created for? That's what the church exists for. We exist for the glory of God. Paul said this in Ephesians 1. Let's just read this as well. Ephesians 1 verse 11 to 12. In Him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of His will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of God. Of his glory, do you see that? That is God's plan for your life. That's God's plan for His church, as He brings us together as one, is that there would be glory and praise that would come to him. God's purpose in choosing us, in saving us, in calling us out of darkness, into His marvelous light, and in recreating us in Christ Jesus is that we might bring him glory. And it's so important that we understand this. Do you see your life? Are you looking at your life and saying every morning when you wake up? Do you look in the mirror and say, today I live for the glory of God. My life is given for the glory of the one who has called me and saved me. Are we living every day and whatever we do, are we doing it that way? Paul said, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do. Do all to the glory of God. Isn't that amazing? That's what we're to be doing. Bringing glory to God is not just singing a few songs in church. Praising God is not just singing a few songs in church. And you know, there may be people that, that God has gifted to do that. And they bring incredible glory to God. Some of the songs that we sing, the people that have written those songs. and I mean, what does it do when you listen to them? It does something. It brings glory to Him. But you know, not all of us are called to do that. S- someone on the sports field. On the sports field, what do you do? You're in glory to God. I remember when I was at my last year of school and we had the national cricket trials. And I remember every time that I went out to bat, I would pray and say, Father, help me to bring glory to You today. Help me to bring glory to You. And during that tournament... The Lord allowed me to do very well. I was selected for the Zimbabwe school's cricket team. But every time when I came off after after scoring uh, runs and people would come up and congratulate me, I would say, it's the gift of God. It's for His glory. Whatever we do, whatever we do, whatever God has given us, whatever talents, whatever skills we have, they have been given to us for His glory. They've been given so that He can receive praise through our lives. When we come to church, the way we relate to people, the way we conduct ourselves, everything needs to be done for the glory of God. The way we speak, the way we treat our wives, the way we treat our husbands, the way we raise our children, everything that we do, even our education, is so that we can bring glory to God. Do you see yourself the way that God sees you? Do you see the vision that He has for you? Do you see how your purpose in life can only be fully realized when you're prepared to be a part of what God is doing? You're prepared to be a part of the church. You're prepared to join hands with other believers and work together. God wants us to be working together for His glory. On my own, I can bring in glory to a certain level. But together, what can we do? As Barack Obama said, together we can. Yeah. And I'll say this, when God puts us together, He can. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. We're an intricate part. Every one of you is an intricate part of what God is wanting to do in this nation, <coughs> what He's wanting to do in the city, what He's <coughs> wanting to do in the world. He's an, interest, we're an intricate part of what he's wanting to do through humanity for all eternity. Yeah. That's what the church is about. <laughs> you know, sometimes when we talk about coming together, it may be a real challenge for us. And I just want to mention this as I come to the close today. The Western mindset and the Western lifestyle fosters individualism. It doesn't foster community. And I think that in this nation, this has been heightened, it's been increased, this this individualism. Because, and let me talk to the whites here for a moment. Because as whites, we have felt we didn't belong anywhere. We didn't belong in the UK. And we didn't really feel like we belonged here in Zimbabwe. And so, as whites in this nation, we've sort of been like a nationless group of people. We've been sort of no identity, no allegiance to anything, no real patriotism because what are we patriotic about? We're not really considered a part of this nation, the UK doesn't really consider us a part there, every nation we go to, we go to as a foreigner. And it's affected us psychologically. And it's affected the way we relate in the church. We find it difficult to be committed to things. Beyond our own family. We've sort of, what's happened is we've sort of, we've withdrawn into our own families. And we've sort of allowed it to become this little lager that we've built around ourselves. And I believe that God wants to change that mindset. Because God's vision is corporate, it's not individual. He is a father of a family. And that's why the, the word love comes up in the Bible time and time and time again. Because God's vision is always corporate. And that's why it is so important that we are relating to one another in a manner that, is, uh, that fosters that corporate vision and that, that corporate uh, uh, blessing. That's why God is so strong on unity. That's why we have to forgive each other. That's why we have to bear with one another. And we have to live in a way where we consider others. It's because God is putting us together. Living stone together with living stone. Because He's building something that is going to last forever. And so I want to encourage you today. We need to become... Let's pray and ask God to set us free from what has happened to us as whites in this nation so that we can really begin to become people that are willing to lay down our lives for others yeah. that are willing to serve others that can they have a sense of identity that we can we can um, uh, partake and participate in something that's bigger than just ourselves yeah. or our families yeah. and that's what i believe god is calling us today to do to realize to see what he's made us a part of and to commit ourselves to being a part of it what can you do to build the church it's not just ian and craig's responsibility and the elders and the leaders in this church it is the responsibility of every single one of us every one of us has been given something you may sit there today and say well i don't know what god has given me to help build the church as you seek him as you come to the lord and you say lord I see that I'm a part of the church. Show me how I'm to contribute. Do you know He will do it? Every one of you, God has placed gifts in. And everything God has given us is so that His church can be built and so that His purpose can be accomplished. If it's wealth that He's given you, that's what He's given it for. If it's an ability to, to, to speak, He's given it to you for that purpose. If it's an ability to lead, He's given it to you for that purpose. If it's prophecy, no matter what God has given you, it is so that the church can be built. It's so that His glory can be proclaimed in this earth. And it's so that His eternal purpose for humanity can be fulfilled. You have a place. You have a part in what God is doing. And Ian and Craig and people that are, in ministry, as what we call in ministry, every one of us is in ministry, have been given a job. What is our job? To prepare, to equip you, the saints, for works of ministry. Every one of you is a part of what God is doing. God has placed His hand upon you. The Holy Spirit is in you. There are gifts that God has given you. He wants those to come to fullness. He wants His glory to be seen through you. Your life is not purposeless. Your life is not going somewhere without a reason. God has a definite plan and purpose for you. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's just stand to our feet. I think my mic's on. It's still on. Okay, great. I couldn't hear myself, sorry. Let's just... Let's just raise our hands today. Can I lead you in a prayer? A prayer towards the Lord concerning this? Would you mind if I lead you in it? Let's just say this. Just say this after me. Say, Father in heaven, thank you, that you have us. thank you that you have called us, thank you that you've chosen us. Thank you that you've appointed us. Thank you that you've included us. In your eternal plan. Thank you for saving us. And making us a part. Of this incredible building. Your church. This holy nation. This chosen generation. This royal priesthood. Your own special people. Thank you. For making me. Individually. A part of this. Father. I see your purpose. I have a glimpse of your vision. And I want to be a part of this. I want to play my role. I want to do whatever I can. To see your church grow. To see your church built. To see this church that you talk about. Filled with your glory. And your presence. Before the whole world. So Father. With whatever you've given me. Father I now say. Take it and let it be used for your glory. Father I offer myself. To you you. as a living sacrifice, sacrifice. holy, pleasing, and acceptable to you. Everything that I have is is yours. yours. I say, Lord, Lord, even even as you laid down your life for me, so so I will lay down my life for your people, for people. For for your church, for your purpose. And for, your glory. and for your glory. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I, exist for your glory. I exist for your glory. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me everything that I need. To do your will. Both now and forevermore. Amen. Let's just give him a big clap.